0: Transporting a, an electric vehicle is very similar to uh, transporting a, a ICE vehicle. Um, some of the equipment that is used definitely should be different, uh, meaning that uh, there are specific uh, soft straps or what we call material straps that you can hook up to a, a Tesla um, to reduce the chances of anything taking place. Um, the soft straps you know they won't conduct any electricity if 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 potentially the vehicle is damaged or you know you um were concerned of that um it also um i mean the the training is critical uh one i think it just uh, allows you to um, it gives you knowledge on, you know, what should I do? What are the best practices? Um, what is uh, what is it that I need to do when I arrive on scene? Um, what what should I do when the vehicle comes back to our facility? Um, it, it's uh, It just educates you uh, to have a better understanding when you handle this product mm-hmm. um, that you're doing it in a safe manner. And um, the ARA's done a fantastic job in developing the courses. Um, I, I highly recommend that you know operators that are uh, around or handling these vehicles uh, take the course um right now i believe that there's a bit of a partnership with icbc where they are uh, uh, covering the cost for any operator that wants to take this course um which is a you know a, a good thing and uh yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the it's the towing companies, the owners, um, you know, uh, overall responsibility to ensure that their employees uh, can can handle these vehicles. And uh, at the end of the day, the employee has. Um, The responsibility as well to keep himself safe, uh, whether that's working on the side of the road or you know uh, doing a recovery or whatever the case may be. Um, There's some onus on them to make sure that they educate themselves in the the practices that are you know adhered to today.
1: Hello and welcome to EV Friendly. And this is the podcast for you if you're interested in engaging conversations about electric vehicles. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Mitchell Martin. Uh, Mitchell is the owner of Mitchell's Towing in West Vancouver. Mitchell holds a Level 8 and 9 Rec Master, and he has over 20 years of experience in the towing and recovery industry. He has served on the ARA Board of Directors for the last five years uh, and he's currently serving on the BBB, Better Business Bureau Board of Directors as well. Uh, Mitchell lives in North Vancouver with his wife Nicole and his three boys.
0: Mitchell welcome to the podcast. Hi Ken, thank you for right. the, the warm introduction. Uh,
1: why don't we begin? Uh, I know the towing industry is already very familiar with you uh, but to the rest of our audience, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in towing and recovery and sort of what led you
0: um initially i was an automotive technician and uh i was taking the course uh through vancouver community college um and uh i just needed to make extra money i was essentially i was uh, living by myself and, and just trying to make ends meet and um, while i was taking the apprenticeship program i just needed uh, to make some uh, additional income so um, i ended up having a vehicle delivered to my house and uh, that i was uh, staying at at the time and uh, just got chatting with one of the operators uh, of one of the local companies and uh, that's kind of how it began. I just went down and applied for a position, and then uh, started uh, working or, or started operating a, a tow truck part time in the nighttime. And uh, very quickly, I, I fell in love with it. Uh, um, being a single guy at the time, and and uh, just having a lot of time, um, and, and understanding that uh, it was commission based. Um, The more i work the more income i can make so uh, very quickly i I fell in love with towing and and the work that uh is involved around it and and that's sort of how i got into towing initially
1: Mm -hmm. and then when did you open up Mitchell's towing then
0: uh so i worked for two different companies uh i worked in vancouver and then i worked on the north shore and uh after about eight years of uh, uh working as an owner operator um i decided to take the chance to start my own business um, it was around 2008-09 uh, uh, that uh, I chose to make this decision. It was kind of scary because that's when we were having a bit of a recession. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I felt with the skill set that I had developed um, that uh, um, I could make a solid go of it. So uh, that's when I chose to, to branch off and, and start Mitchell's Towing on the North Shore. Oh. So
1: do you recall the first time you ever encountered an electric vehicle uh, on a call? and um, I mean, what, what was your experience of it? Was this something foreign to you, or you already, did you already think you already had the necessary skills to deal with it, or what was that experience? Um,
0: our, our first experience was uh, was with Tesla. Um, I mean, at the time, it was a brand-new product. Uh, it was roughly around 2010, 2011 um we had uh, signed up to become a partner with tesla and uh we were helping them uh you know around north and west vancouver and, and some other areas in the lower mainland um at that time I, I believe the roadster was one of the first uh vehicles that they started to make That's and, right and i was, think there yeah. was about maybe three to four hundred of them that were made and uh we had a few that were in west vancouver uh and uh I remember just having to our business to transport them. Uh, There were some issues at the time. uh, Well, whether it was a software or whatever. Um, so we, we towed a few of the, uh, the roadsters and uh, just, um, you know, um, the vehicle itself looks like a, a regular car, or a regular uh, vehicle. Um, so we were just interested in working with Tesla. It was an interesting experience. But ultimately, uh, in that particular case, using a wrecker, um, the way we towed that vehicle was very similar to other vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. so But I do remember, you know, uh, the first few roadsters that we, uh, that we relocated for sure. Yeah.
1: So there's been exponential growth in B.C. with electric vehicles. Uh, we've, uh, the provincial government and federal governments have hit mandates now for 2035. 100% of all sales will be EVs. Now, I imagine where you are in West Vancouver, there's a lot of Teslas, at least I see when I, when I go over there. On a daily basis, how many, well, how many EVs in general would you have in your storage yard or do you tow in a particular day?
0: uh well i mean we can't predict how many vehicles are going to break down at any given point in time but yeah i mean uh West vancouver for sure has a a lot of teslas um i I can't sort of speculate on how many but you know i would say when we're driving down the highway it's very common to see two or three around you at all points in time Mm -hmm. i mean uh it is so popular in an area that uh, park royal mall has a sales center directly in the mall so um, yeah, it's very popular. Um, regarding our facility, uh, I mean, if we're talking specifically Tesla's, so, I mean, we can have three to five, you know, on average per day. Right. Um, if it's EV vehicles in general, I mean, sometimes uh, we can have twenty. Um, right. It just depends on you know what's happening at that point in time.
1: We are seeing them all around. I think we're seeing them in in pockets, really emerging uh, in Vancouver, West Vancouver, the Islands. Very uh, Salt Spring Island apparently is a real hot spot for electric which which is you might think is surprising, I don't know how many chargers they have on that on that island, but maybe one maybe they share you know, um and certainly much much less uh, if you go up north or in some parts of the interior, they're still oh you know, still very, very rare now, you had a really interesting experience now with a Tesla uh which had uh, caught fire, I don't think, on your yard. Um, do you want to go into that? It was a featured article in uh, the toll Canada magazine, It was actually in two parts, so. Uh, if you want to get a real in-depth view, uh, pick up a, a copy of uh, Tow Canada magazine and, and read parts one and two. Why don't you go elaborate on that? What happened
0: and what was the experience from that? Yeah, so I would say, um, you know, uh, with any given area, I mean, there's motor vehicle uh, motor vehicle accidents that happen. Uh, uh, daily and uh, you know, we, we have quite a bit of experience now with Tesla. I mean again being very popular um, a lot of these accidents are, are you know driver error so you know hitting poles or driving into things or you know Maybe kissing each other at an intersection um, But it what was different with this particular Tesla was uh, the gentleman was driving it uh, and uh, he stopped at an intersection and smoke just began to build up inside his vehicle. And, and I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not aware of any other cases around Canada where this has happened before. Mm-hmm. And uh, while the gentleman was sitting at the light, uh, the smoke began uh, to fill his vehicle. And uh, and it was more and more and more and he began to panic. That's um, got to be scary. Yeah, yeah, well, not being able to breathe and just, I mean, if you've ever been around an electric vehicle fire or a vehicle fire itself, the fumes are, quite potent so mm-hmm. um, it's, it's hard to breathe um, so uh, while the gentleman was sitting there and the smoke was filling his vehicle he began to panic and um, instead of uh, pulling the release which is uh, on the driver's side door uh, where you actually pull up on the uh, the handle itself mm-hmm. uh, that will manually open the door instead of pushing a button um, he kicked out the window and then got out of the vehicle um, uh, when he got out of the vehicle it continued to burn and essentially the interior of the car caught fire and was totally uh destroyed um so it wasn't a a battery fire after an impact what it was actually was just it, it spontaneously caught fire in the middle of the road interesting interesting
1: now you had you had interest of course from uh i think from transport canada and from tesla itself didn't they even fly somebody up? from
0: Tesla? Yeah so the initial uh, part was uh, you know going through the EV courses and and taking the training uh, we uh, gave it the approximate space uh, Mm -hmm. that it required at our our facility Um, and because the interior was burnt the battery wasn't discharged essentially it was untouched so there still could be a a potential fire hazard there uh, or a a charge itself so um, we stored the vehicle in our facility as as we should and um, Uh, Transport Canada hadn't had very many experiences with this as well uh, so they were quite interested and uh, being where the vehicle caught fire from the inside, uh, Tesla also had a uh, direct interest in this particular vehicle. Um, So Transport Canada came down, uh, they documented their their experience and uh, we basically opened the hood uh, with a uh, forklift and uh, disconnected the 12 volt battery. Um, from there, they documented, you know, what their processes should be or the recommended processes uh, to share with the rest of uh, Transport Canada across Canada, across Canada mm-hmm. uh, the different branches that are in each province. So. Um, since then, um, uh, they've actually come back and made a few changes, a few minor changes, um, but ultimately, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, sort of a high-priority case for Tesla as well. Uh, they sent a, up a tech, and uh, it was interesting to see uh, what, what uh, Tesla had, had done and sort of the processes and procedures that uh, their specific employees followed when uh, handling right. this particular vehicle.
1: This is, uh, this is fairly new. Um, generally, when these things happen, of course, they, they hit the press, um, and, and anyone with an inclination who is anti-EV is going to really jump on these. Now, we should say that EVs don't catch on fire any more than internal combustion engines do, right? but it's somewhat the nature of the fire. That's a a lot different with with these and which makes them a a lot more scary and unpredictable. And that's a phenomenon called thermal runaway. And you know what that is, but for our audience, that maybe doesn't. Uh, Simply what that is, is a a typical battery is composed of hundreds of of these little cells that are like your typical Duracell battery. Mm -hmm. Um, And there could just be one or two of those that have become compromised. And you may not even be aware of it but there's an internal fire spreading in there and it's kind of similar to a compost. You know, a compost uh, spark can be really hidden and everything looks fine, but it's smoldering and sometimes it can take days for that. Um, And so when fire does erupt, it's not like a gas fire that you can just douse it and it's over with. Um, It can be up to 24, 48 hours that that flames then can erupt again without you knowing about it. In fact, there was a case on a, uh, and it was on a towing storage facility. The uh, Tesla, it caught on fire. They put it out, bought it back to the storage yard, put it out again, 30 days later, if you can believe, erupted again, uh-huh. um, and, and that's very concerning. Now that, that has really caught the attention of a, a lot of people, including our own Provincial WorkSafe, BC, um, and, uh, and some of the insurance companies as, as, as well. Uh, So what does, that complicates things because as you know, some of the guidelines are it needs its space. If you bring that Tesla or that EV back into your yard, you just can't park it and with the normal, you have to give it ample space. That's obviously very difficult, as you know, when your yard is crammed and just the sheer cost of property these days. Mm -hmm. What does the towing industry, how, how can we combat this? What do we need to do?
0: Well, just to add some comments uh, just regarding the ICE vehicles or internal combustion vehicles, um, you know, when we compare EVs to ice vehicles, um, I, I can share with you that you know there's far more ice fires than there are um, EV fires at this point. Um, right now we have four vehicles in our facility that uh, are internal combustion engines that caught fire. Uh, one was at a parking lot uh, just yesterday at uh, Hollyburn Country Club in West Vancouver, and it was a BMW uh, vehicle sitting idle and it spontaneously caught fire. Hmm. Um, so there are quite a few uh, vehicles that that uh, catch fire uh, that are internal combustion engines. Now, um, you know, generally they don't make the news um, just because it's you know it's it's just an average everyday occurrence. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned with the Teslas or uh, EV vehicles, um, the uh, the severity of the fire uh, is quite enhanced uh, because of the thermal runaway and um, sort of the the power that's built up in that cell uh, those cells. Um, for us, in, in a towing industry, I mean, uh, being on the North Shore land is, is uh, very expensive. Um, you know, it's uh, for us, we've been going up instead of out, and that's the only way that we can sort of uh, try and uh, maintain and, or uh, control costs. Um, when we bring a vehicle uh, and a specifically new vehicle back to our facility, um, essentially, you know, all we can do is give it that space. So we have to have space available 24-7, 365 for when these occurrences take place. Um, you know, recently ICBC has come out with uh, uh, compensating um, towing companies for three vehicle spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, it's better than nothing uh, currently, but I, I feel that w- it does require more space. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't, uh, I'm not aware of any other towing companies um, that have had an EV other than the one that happened in Sacramento, I, I guess, uh, right. uh, where it caught fire, um, where a vehicle's been stored and then um, caught fire again. Um the For some vehicle, ice fires that we've had happen at our facility, we've brought a vehicle in, um, it sat for a period of time, and then it reignited uh, at, at a later time. Um, usually, um, it has damaged uh, the vehicles that are surrounding it. Um, and... Uh, it's it's definitely a concern. I think, uh, you know, again, the three spaces are better than nothing. Um, there are other ways that we could sort of uh, isolate that particular vehicle, such mm-hmm. as a concrete barricade. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new product out for the fire blankets uh, that right. you can uh, put over the top of uh, Tesla's or any other EV vehicle, yeah. which essentially smothers it or doesn't allow oxygen They're
1: in. Quite, quite, quite amazing. They just blanket over and it just because these are intense hot fires yes and that can that can put it out in seconds I think,
0: 30 yeah seconds and essentially it, it starves it of oxygen and uh basically you know contains it now those um we've had uh various different discussions with different manufacturers and um mm-hmm. you can get a single use blanket um and i believe it's around 24 or for um, one for, for one use for one use yeah Um, and, uh, or you could potentially buy one that's a multiple use, Mm -hmm. um, and those are four to $5,000. Um, so with our, in the area that we live in, again, raining, you know, quite heavily in the wintertime. Um, we're not sure or there's no literature on whether or not when you put it, put this blanket over a store Tesla uh, and it's raining and it's, you know, right. for X amount of days, uh, what is the proper procedure, you know, once the vehicle's towed out, do you have to hang it up, does it have to be completely dry, um, you know, so there's there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered right. uh, before you can enact or use that product. Um, the concrete barricade, uh Roughly when we priced it out uh, was uh, around ten thousand um, dollars, and that's to, to set up this sort of barricade, but. Um, It takes quite a bit of square footage to do that. And in uh, areas where like Vancouver and North and West Vancouver, where the the cost of land or even Victoria, where the cost of land is is quite high, um, there's a a very heavy cost with that. And I mean, if you're storing four or five or six Teslas, um, it's just it's impossible to provide that sort of space. Um,
1: it, so. it, it is becoming a problem, and, and, uh, and that's just with the amount of Teslas we have now, or the amount of EVs, and it's just, we should make noise, not just Teslas that have this problem, all EVs have this problem and stuff, but could you imagine then when all your yard is electric vehicles, um, the potential for fire is, is going to increase, so we really have to get a handle on it and do something, uh, I, I think, do something about this for sure. Um, it should also be noted too is that you're you're right. Internal combustion engines um, probably are catch fire more. It's 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 amazing how safe electric vehicles are. In fact, they to test them they they drop them from fifty feet up and um, hoist them up with a crane and drop them down in concrete just to see what happens. Amazing resilience and and stuff. Um, but but there are there are guidelines that a tower can adopt to and I think the important thing is the operator uh, be able to conduct that assessment and, and we need to demystify them as well because we don't want towing operators scared of these vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it comes down to awareness, but it also comes down to training. So I, I know you've had uh, separate training through your partnership with Tesla. You're also EV friendly certified as well, and you've had yourself and, and your employees go through that. Um, what is your message? What, what is actually the importance of, 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 uh, of completing training and having your operators trained in this?
0: Uh, well, you, you definitely touch on it. I mean, it's uh, to get rid of that mystery behind it, um, you know. Uh, Transporting a, an electric vehicle is very similar to uh, transporting a, a ICE vehicle. Um, some of the equipment that is used definitely should be different, uh, meaning that uh, there are specific uh, soft straps or what we call material straps that you can hook up to a, a Tesla um, to reduce the chances of anything taking place. Um, the soft straps, you know, they won't conduct any electricity if, if, if potentially the vehicle is damaged or, you know, you um, were concerned of that. Um, it also, um, I mean, the, the training is critical. Uh, one, I think it just uh, allows you to... Um, it gives you knowledge on you know what should I do, what are the best practices, um, what is uh, what is it that I need to do when I r- arrive on scene, um, what what should I do when the vehicle comes back to our facility? Um, it, it's uh, it just educates you uh, to have a better understanding when you handle this product mm-hmm. um, that you're doing it in a safe manner, and um, the ARA's done a fantastic job in developing the courses. Um, it, I, I highly recommend that you know operators that are uh, around or handling these vehicles uh, take the course um right now i believe that there's a bit of a partnership with icbc where they are uh, uh covering the cost for any operator that wants to take this course um which is a you know a, a good thing and uh yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the it's the towing companies, the owners, um, you know, uh, overall responsibility to ensure that their employees uh, can can handle these vehicles. And uh, at the end of the day, the employee has. Um, the Responsibility as well to keep himself safe, uh, whether that's working on the side of the road or you know uh, doing a recovery or whatever the case may be. Um, th- there's some onus on them to make sure that they educate themselves in the, yeah. the practices that are you know adhered to today. Does this need to become a compliance issue or a regulated issue,
1: um, or are you more encouraged that just on a voluntary basis that companies will come forward because they recognize the need for training and to keep their operators safe? Uh, or do we need to come along and, and have a a certification or a compliance for this what what are your thoughts
0: Uh, on a personal level I think any enforcement is generally looked upon as uh, negative I mean if you force someone into taking something then they're they're not gonna you know most people don't want to do it they just see all because you're told me to I guess I'll do it but ultimately um, I think you know as an employer it's my responsibility to sort of bait and hook them uh, and uh, an employee Um, but I also want to make sure that our guys are safe and they feel confident when they're handling a product so um, for us any new hires uh, we require them to take it Uh, for some of the long-term guys that we've had throughout our business um, you know we've tied it to increases in in, um, in, in money, um, so you know they'll get a raise or they'll they'll get something uh, in addition to what they have now to educate themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know when the employee is is making more money or is handling a product in a confident and safe manner, um, that reflects on the business. Um, so it is a win win. Um, it, it's it, it's key to educating and, and making sure that your operators uh, can maintain and um, sort of have a an understanding of what they need to do when they uh, when the situation arises when we when we provide service for Tesla um, there's various different models uh, over various different years and uh, the processes have changed from year to year whether that's jumpstarting a 12 volt uh, battery in the Tesla to sort of open up the systems or to allow it to awake um, so when, a, when an operator is new and he arrives on scene and he's trying to provide that service and he's sort of stumbling around and doesn't have a clear idea of what he's doing, it shows the client that, uh, or, or portrays to the client that he's uneducated or he's not familiar. Right. In turn, um, you know, that client may feel that this person is not um, qualified enough to mm-hmm. handle their $100,000 Tesla. And, and that's something like a three series. When you get into like a Model X or even a Roadster now, mm-hmm. um, Um, You know, we're talking a $200,000 car. Um, So... I guess from my perspective, you know, I want my guys to be confident. I want my guys to be educated in the product, um, so therefore we try and share as much literature as possible with them. So mm-hmm. when they they arrive on scene, um, you know, they have that attitude with the client, and uh, no worries, we'll take care of it. Uh, we'll make sure that uh, your your concerns are addressed. Um, and and most times clients um, are curious to what we're doing or how we're mm-hmm. d- handling it, so they'll want to sort of uh, look over your shoulder and and watch you as you perform your duties so definitely yeah I think and it's
1: you, and you want to know as much or if not more than than the client that you're serving as yes well, if you don't yes. Want to be asking the customer yes sure. exactly yeah. so no, Tesla ha- does have a unique model in a unique business model you mentioned that you have a, a partnership with Tesla I don't think it's like a certification but it is a, a partnership do you see that as the model moving forward that other manufacturers Ford or GM uh, will be directly partnering with, with tow companies
0: yeah, I mean it's very similar. Uh, so Tesla is, is very similar to um, let's say GM or potentially you know Mercedes or or BMW even. Um, when you're when you work for them or you're a provider for them, uh, they share the literature and, and their their updates with you. Um, much like Ferrari uh, as an example with Allstate, um, they've recently had an electric Ferrari, and so some of the processes that they have are uh, are actually night and day from Tesla. So they recommend mm-hmm. not jumps starting and not doing this process. And without having the opportunity uh, to view that literature, you would never know. So when you become a business partner or you uh, provide roadside assistance for these particular uh, manufacturers, um, yeah, they open the doors, they share the information, and they allow you as a provider to to, to, to get access to that information. Yeah. Um, I think as towing becomes more specialized, mm-hmm. um, the we have an opportunity to um, sort of dive in and become partners with the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been working for Tesla essentially since their conception. And um, so over the years, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the processes and procedures have changed. Um, so what's right today may be wrong tomorrow, but, uh, you know, um, by being a provider with them, it gives us the opportunity to, to have those advantages to, to get access and to can, that.
1: And they can change overnight. So it was an interest when I was at your, uh, your, your, yard, um, and I, I think it was a software update yes. that happened overnight and, and completely changed the procedure. Um, and we're actually going to see more and more and more of that. So instead of you actually. Physically having to bring a vehicle in to get service, it's just as you sleep, the, the software is going to update and, and change that. But then it's a matter of you being informed and your operators being informed of mm-hmm. that. I see definitely. I see that as how technology is going to drastically impact how you how you do business and mm-hmm. how you can conduct business. Is Tesla usually pretty good when they do? those software updates
0: of notifying you or yeah I mean it's not a common occurrence where you know a procedure changes that quickly Mm -hmm. but uh, yes we were at Taylor Automotive uh, doing some uh, work for uh, with Tesla um, and we were loading a vehicle and when they had done a software update the night before it had changed how to put the vehicle into neutral and uh, which it was a subtle change but it still was a change uh, Mm -hmm. from what we've learned it's, uh, technology is changing. The way that uh, we interact with these vehicles is changing. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's important that you, you educate yourself on the changes. Um, Generally, when there's a software update, again, it, it doesn't happen that quickly, uh, but yes, Tesla is very good at uh, sending out uh, in advance information uh, about their products. So um, the new Model X, um, you know, the battery position has changed, uh, how to jumpstart uh, that vehicle has changed a little bit. Right. Uh, the points that where you connect the battery are different than where they were before. Um, even to the point where um, the electric vehicle fire that we had in our facility, mm-hmm. uh, we used a forklift to open up the, uh, the, the, the frunk, I guess, uh, to gain access to the 12-volt battery. Uh, before there used to be a, a, a pull strap or a red, uh, um, red little strap that's where the, uh, the, the toe hook mounts. Um, but what they were finding was uh, people were, uh, thieves were going along pulling these and opening up the frunk and then stealing people's possessions. Um, which, you know, was just something that happened to come along. Well, now they've changed it to when you pull off the toe hook uh, pin in the bumper uh, or cap. Um, there's a red and black wire now where you have to supply battery power to that, and that will automatically open mm. up the frunk. Um, so it's it's minor changes over over the years that have taken place. So one thing that we found out. Um, Working with uh, Transport Canada and Tesla on that particular vehicle mm-hmm. fire was, um, I wanted to supply power to to that burnt vehicle to open up the frunk, but we were unsure if it was going to um, put power back into the system, uh, which we didn't want to do because obviously there was an electrical fire. Um, at a later date, once once Tesla came up, we were able to determine that that actual circuit or uh, is is. Uh, separated from the rest of the vehicle. So in in the future, if we needed to get access to the 12-volt battery um, by supplying power to that particular uh, mechanism, I guess, um, it it is separate from the rest of the power to the vehicle when opening up the the frunk. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was just an educational uh, learning lesson, uh, you know, in this particular case.
1: They're definitely getting more complex. Now, is Tesla just as a partner, they're just sharing that information with you, or are they sharing it with everyone?
0: Uh, well, that specific question was asked by us, uh, and we asked Transport Canada if they could get clarity on that. So that information was shared with us specifically. Right. Um, when it comes to the overall operational side of things or when it comes to, um, you know, handling the vehicles, it's shared with everyone and it's put yeah. in a PDF format yeah. and, you know, the procedures and policies are, are laid out right. in that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, uh, electrification is, that in itself, the technology is, is, is transformational. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize as well is, is the processing power that's required, um, especially like with the, the, the battery management systems and, and things like that, it's going to lead into much more advanced automation. And we're already we're seeing that with Tesla. Tesla is light years away. We're seeing right now just with, with a lot of ADAS systems and things like that. So I think that's going to drastically affect the, the towing industry somewhat positively, maybe somewhat negatively. I, I think. Um, We might see, well, if vehicles become that much more safer to drive, and even if they start driving themselves, we might start to see a lot of fewer accidents. Is that something that you see or are you concerned about? Or as long as there's a person behind the wheel, they're going to screw up and get into an accident.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, when people are involved, there's always an incident. There's always a mistake that takes place. I mean, when you look at um, even WCB and and things that happen with workers on sites, various different industries, um, 99% of the time, it's an operator error. It's something that uh, a person has done incorrectly and therefore has led to an accident. Um, The automation, uh, for sure, I mean, overall, I could see a a general reduction in motor vehicle accidents, but um, it can be as simple as uh, I was on my way to Alberta last summer and, and we were driving a vehicle with uh, partial automation, and uh, in the construction zone, the, the road lines had changed or basically crossed over because they had put pylons up. Mm-hmm. Well, the car got confused and then tried to drive us into the ditch uh, yeah. a little bit, not not aggressively, but you could tell that the the vehicle was struggling to make a decision, um, and so... Yeah, I think overall, if we were just, you know, driving from point A to point B, there may be a reduction. Um, Most, uh, I, I just don't think the technology is quite there yet. Um, and, and I think, you know, uh, most people enjoy the act of driving. They enjoy steering and, you know, sort mm-hmm. of just going about their, their daily routines and they, they want to be in control. Um, and, uh, anytime that there's an operator or a person behind the wheel, uh, there's going to be an incident of some sort, whether yeah. that's, you know, rear ending another vehicle. And I mean, when you look at even the technology in regular vehicles, how it's advanced over the years, um, it warns you, um, it, it's like my GMC truck has vibrators in the seat that sort of when you get too close to something, it it turns on or Mm -hmm. a red light comes on on the windshield uh, warning you that you're getting too close. Um, Even though all of these systems are in place, there's still uh, motor vehicle accidents accidents still take place. And that's excluding when a person gets behind the wheel that's either under the influence of alcohol or drugs uh, or excessively speeding. Um, so those factors, as long as people are still in play, those factors are still there. In
1: in many ways, the argument is that, um, we won't really have ultra safe roads until we reach full level five autonomy. And when you just, what ADAS is, is the driver's sift, like the vibrating seats or the Mm -hmm. rear view camera that has caused so many more accidents is now because you're not checking your blind spots. You're trying to look in in the camera. It
0: makes an a a driver lazy.
1: It makes a driver lazy. Yeah. And in, in many ways that's actually increasing accidents how does it change for roadside assistance um, I imagine it it's reducing some things like you know hey I ran out of gas well that's not really a problem but it's creating some more problems hey I ran out of a charge. Yeah.
0: charge. yeah, I don't know if I should say this or not, but uh, you know, Go one ahead. of the uh, one of the representatives from Tesla that works at the sales center in West Vancouver uh, uh, ran out of a charge to get to work, um, <laughs> so we had to pick up that vehicle and and deliver them to uh, a charging station. So. Whether it's gas or an electric charge, I mean, again, when people are involved, human error just happens to take over and and, uh, you ran out. I thought I could make it. Um, I I thought I had enough distance to get there, but, you know, maybe you went up that hill a little too quick and used a bit too much of that juice, right? Right. Um, Other than, you know, specializing in the product and having the appropriate appropriate gear uh, to handle a vehicle, um, I think you have to, you become specialized in, in that, that manufactured product. Um, you know, I, f- I would say that, uh, with great confidence that, you know, we are able to handle a Tesla and, and there's not a lot of scenarios now that have, that can take place that we're not, we haven't had some sort of experience with, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're running out of gas. Is is definitely you know that will obviously be reduced. Uh, but people still lock their cars. They lock their keys in their car. They still lock themselves out. Yeah. Um, or people park their Tesla for an extended period of time and, and go on vacation or you know travel or whatever it is that they do. And uh, maybe the vehicle's in an underground and it can't communicate with um, you know the servers or with Teslas, uh, right. and therefore the 12 volt batteries died over time and uh, that. Person can't gain access to their vehicle. So Mm -hmm. um, there are still scenarios that take place, um, or software or something, one of the mechanical mechanisms fail. Um, You know, we've been to, we've towed vehicles, or, or Tesla specifically. Um, you know from Prince George down because the window wipers don't work Uh, or in the winter time when you put your hand over the door the door handle doesn't come out Mm -hmm. Um, so while there are other issues that happen with ICE vehicles um, there are unique issues that happen with electric vehicles. Um, So when providing roadside assistance, I mean, you know, when you create a new product, it creates a new set of issues. And uh, as as the product comes out and is uh, widely used by the general public, um, you'll just start to see different issues take place. It's just natural uh, for these things to occur. Where do you think we're going to start to see electric tow trucks? Uh Uh, I mean, there are some sort of hybrids at this point uh, that are out there. Um, You know, they're working on the new semis uh, Mm -hmm. for longevity purposes. Obviously, a a semi driver, you know, delivers freight or picks up freight from point A and takes it to point B or delivers product, you know, all all across Canada and U.S. Um, And it is is sort of that... uh, I guess the distance at which you, you know, people want to be able to drive a thousand kilometers or uh, X amount of kilometers is the expectation of a consumer, Um, you know, where the reality is most people probably don't drive more than 100 kilometers a day with with uh, any vehicle. Uh, Most times there are exceptions. Um, with a tow truck in particular or other commercial vehicles, um, we, we have a lot of idle time where potentially we have uh, arrived on a scene and it's a motor vehicle accident or some sort of situation where... Um, we require uh, several hours to do a cleanup or a recovery, or uh, to to um, to provide assistance, you know, to mm-hmm. that particular situation. So there's a lot of idle time there, and you know we're we're having to use what's called a PTO uh, uh, to operate the hydraulic equipment. Um, When we need to operate that equipment, it has to draw from some sort of power source. So, uh, you know, the initial issue with electric tow trucks is what kind of uh, charge, what kind of distance can we get uh, when we're providing these um, ad hoc services on the side of the road? you know if a gentleman has uh 50 charge left and that maybe equates to like 100 kilometers uh, but he is being sent to a police call or an ad hoc call that comes in maybe the fire department's called and he arrives on scene and that's 100 feet down the embankment well that's gonna that's a couple hour scenario that needs to uh be addressed so um that's where i think the problems will lie we can't be in the middle of doing a recovery and then the truck just quits Um, And now we've got a truck stuck and a vehicle stuck. Um, So just a a bit more time, I think, needs to be taken um, for manufacturers to develop how they can go about uh, providing this product to the towing industry specifically, I guess, uh, where we're able to use um uh the trucks for extended periods of time. Right. Now I know that there's been some electric hybrid uh, um uh some electric hybrid, I guess, uh vehicles that um, Uh, they've been talking about like where they're using hydrogen as a backup so essentially you have maybe a 200 kilometer charge and then if you have to go past that it dips into the hydrogen system Um, so there's definitely people out there working on different ways to um, make a commercial vehicle uh, viable to be used in an electric way, uh, but still provides the services that we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, 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 over time, things change. If you think about maybe one tera back in uh, in storage back in 2000 or those years, it was a an, an, an entire office room with servers from wall to wall and, and floor to ceiling. Mm-hmm. And now you can get one tera of storage in a, in a little tiny um, yeah. you know, box, essentially, for one... One tenth the cost, right? Uh,
1: what do uh, what do other stakeholders need to know? What what do that they're not currently thinking of or talking about? I'm thinking of insurance companies. I'm talking about uh, safety enforcement, commercial vehicle safety enforcement. What do they need to know? Do you think um, that they're not currently dealing with or discussing?
0: Oh, it's a great question um, and a tough one. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately. Um, I think when we deal with electric vehicles, um, we're just gonna be need to be given the time. A lot of times when we arrive on scene uh, to, you know, a situation, it's, it's, you know, the RCMP have taken their time to do their investigation. Fire has taken their time to do their assessment, and uh, a and towing operator arrives on scene, and he's expected to sort of take care of it in a couple minutes. And, uh, you know, when you think about uh, historically over time, an operator, or a towing operator, is usually by himself, whereas the fire department is a team of people. Uh, there's multiple RCMP members on scene. Um, so I, I think um, time uh, to allow the operator to do what's required. Um, the operator needs to be educated in its in his own ways, and in, in, in meaning that the procedures that he needs to follow needs to be laid out um i think if you walked up to an rcmp member or 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 the fire captain or the gentleman that's on uh, on in charge on scene and you were to say hey um through my previous training uh, i just need to address these four items first making sure that there's no you know the battery isn't uh, impacted um that we're going to disconnect the 12 volt systems and you basically lay it out uh, to the, the the person on scene that they'll be impressed that you've taken the time to show them that uh, this is the procedures that I need to follow in order to um, provide the service safely. It's no different than when you're doing a recovery. Sometimes we'll have WCB show up um, and there's, you know, dozens of firemen and and dozens of police officers and you you write up a a little... um, Basically, chart on what you're going to do, the grades of chains, um, your what your your equipment is rated for, um, you know all the things that is necessary to provide uh, to to do the service safely. Um, when you show it to them and you lay it out, most of them tend to just say, "Okay, this guy knows what he's talking about," and they stand back and just allow you to do your your thing. So uh, I think we just need to slow down a little bit, um, that uh, they need to uh, give the operator the, the time it's re- it requires to, to provide that service. Um, compensation, I mean, that's always a big one. Um, as we start to handle these vehicles and, and uh, um to provide these specialized services uh compensation needs to increase um historically the towing industry is on a commission basis Mm -hmm. um you know it it it, it's been run that way for you know 50 years or more and i find that um as as an employer trying to retain and hire new staff you know, commission is, is based on the ability of an operator to move at a quick That's right. pace. That's It's sort of like piecework in a dealership or uh, when you're repairing a vehicle. If you can get that job done quicker, you'll you'll make some extra incentives. Uh, and and I, I believe that that uh, leads to cutting corners um, and um, uh, not allowing the operator to sort of do the job because he's concerned about making income, um, you know, for riding for his family and, and all the rest that comes with it. But um, just to slow down, just to take your time, uh, educate yourself, show your plan to what needs to, Gone you know. the days of the cheap toes. Yes, yeah. And, uh, and you know, uh, towers need to educate themselves on how to invoice, how to bill ICBC correctly, um, how to um, – to, not necessarily gouge by any means or to uh, charge for something that you haven't done, but to uh, go through with a fine-tooth comb what you're entitled to charge for the services that you're offering, uh, such as now the battery disconnect policy that's come out, Um, any electric hybrid or electric vehicle um, that's uh, potentially compromised where the battery pack may be damaged. um, It's recommended that the 12-volt system uh, be disconnected um, so that, uh, you know, the the relays uh, open or clothes or or however you know people and and
1: it's just getting insurance companies in where fortune bc we do have that recognition but i don't think the rest of canada does i think some other areas do uh, but it's not widely a practice that's been adopted it needs to so i think likewise as well with that question what does the customer need to know Um, he might know everything about his ev and he's done his research uh, but probably the towing and recovery is probably something he's not really ever thought about what do you what do you think is there anything particular that they need to know
0: well when I think of different scenarios I mean um one example was again in West Vancouver at a at a, a tennis club um it was late night and the lady drove her Tesla 50 feet over an embankment in into a creek and hung up between some trees and Crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't think we'd ask her for advice at that point in time, okay. um, you know, on how to recover this vehicle. But you know, if if we're just doing a jumpstart in a in a gentleman's garage or something like that, then uh, yeah, he's probably going to be interested in, in you know what you're doing. And again, it comes back to education, right? Um, if a guy's confident, shows up, he knows exactly what he's doing, where the buttons are, what the should they be looking is. for that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a consumer, you know. I mean, if I was if I was had my two hundred thousand dollar Model X breakdown or, or needed assistance and some guy showed up with, you know, uh, holes in his sweater and, and, and uh, you know, food stuck in his beard and, and uh, lights up a cigarette. Well, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, mm-hmm. a little cautious, right? Um, but if a gentleman shows up in a uniform and, you know, potentially has the EV sticker or the EV friendly sticker on his vehicle, um, and, uh, you know, he addresses me in a professional manner, um, I'm going to feel more confident with this particular individual, specifically if he's, uh, if I ask him a question and he's able to sort of provide me with the answers or to at least direct me to where I need to go. Um, but if he's standing there scratching his head before he goes to hook up the vehicle, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have some concerns. Um, but if the gentleman is confident, and knows what he's doing and clearly he's had some education and training uh then you know by all means go ahead and start your your job and and uh, we'll compensate you for whatever it costs to do the job correctly.
1: So Mitchell our, our final question uh and we asked this of all our our guests uh
0: where's industry going to be
1: in five or ten years do you think?
0: Well I think with the general um The way that the world is going, um, it's harder to to find staff. Um, It's harder to retain staff. Um, For some reason, since COVID has happened, uh, half the population seems to have disappeared. Uh, There's not a lot of workers out there. There's not a lot of people. I mean, I even, you know, you recently listened to some of the uh, John Horton on TV saying if you want your your house painted, well, there's less painters out there. It's gonna take longer. It's gonna cost more than it was before. Um, I think the towing industry is going to get very specialized. I think that uh, it's going to be a rough road for the next couple of years. I think that um, employers are going to have to change the direction in which they're going in order to retain, maintain and to hire the appropriate people to provide the service. Um, I think that there's going to be some tough decisions that need to be made about compensation and that uh, you know we, uh, we need to stand our ground um, you know when I think of uh, the towing industry in Europe and, and it, you know you have to be a certified electrician to handle uh, an EV vehicle they've made a significant change to their industry um, they're being compensated very differently than they were before and uh, we're, we're a few years behind over here but I think uh, the way that we're going is Uh, We're going to become very specialized and if you don't uh, change with the times um, you're just going to end up being a scrap hauler. No disrespect, but um, essentially you're going to be recycling vehicles as opposed to providing roadside assistance to the general client and uh, people that are out there driving these vehicles.
1: Mitchell, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe or leave your comments below. If you don't have time to catch a full episode on our YouTube channels, Check out EV Friendly On The Go, our audio podcast, available on Spotify or wherever you download your podcasts. Thank you.